joyous celebration there, Abazo Hamba, and uh, loosely translated, those who are going to go. And uh, my question is, who are you going with 2024 where we go to our general elections? Um, and uh, is it important that your political leaders have a religious aspect to them? Is it one thing that you look out for or does it not matter? That's the conversation that we're having. Let me welcome our guests, a panel of guests. Uh, we'll start off by welcoming Pastor Advocate Mu'Afrika Wamaila, who is the Chief Activist at Akum. Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Advocate Mayila, for joining us. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank Excellent. you. I, I appreciate the time to be with you. I greet you and all your listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, on the panel, we've also got uh, Hanif Hendricks, who is uh, the leader of the Al Jama'a political party. Hanif, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Uh, good evening. It's a pleasure. Assalamu alaikum our third panelist is uh, Pastor Wayne Tiring, who is a member of the Parliament and uh, Deputy President of the African Christian Democratic Party. Thank you very much, Pastor Tiring, for joining us. Good evening. Good evening, and uh, thank you for having me, good, uh, Patricia, and thank you also uh, to your listeners for tuning in. So the objective of our conversation this evening is to find out from you, the three of your panelists, and also our listeners, I mean, as um, South Africans, what is it that we are looking for, especially when it comes to leaders? Are we looking for political leaders that are faith-based, that are uh, deliberate in their you know, um, um, faith and in their religious standing when it comes to politics? And should our ethical um, stance come from leadership um, that is motivated from religion? And that is the question. I'm going to start off with the pastor advocate, Mu'Afrika Wamaila. Um, for you, a pastor, what is the most important aspect when it comes to leadership? Should leaders who are leading us politically also be grounded in some form of religion? It's very important. Remember that as a leader, you have what we call a philosophy or ideology. That ideology is the one that governs how you conduct yourself, how you relate with people, and how you use the resources. Now, when you are a leader, you are religiously grounded. For example, let's say you're a Christian. You know the principle of stewardship. You cannot be corrupt or find yourself stealing from the people. Why? Because you have been grounded to know that as a leader, you've been entrusted with a higher task and responsibility of taking care of which belongs to others. Therefore, your conscience is not smeared with an iron. Your conscience is not dead. You know full well that you are accounting to men and to God. So there is an invisible witnesses, thousands of witnesses, watching, watching you beyond just those who can prosecute you, which is uh, the hawks or the police or so on. You know that there is God you're going to account to at the end of the day. That gives you a higher ground of moral value. With Thank the you. same question, I'm going to come to you, Hanif Hendricks. Um, do, you, do you feel that our leaders should be inspired or um, have a bedrock of a, a religion in order for them to lead a country, to lead um, a, a nation such as ours that is so diverse uh, politically? Look, I feel that uh, our political leaders should have uh, what we call universal values uh, to serve humanity. And when it comes to Muslim uh, political party leaders, 
uh, we find that um, a lot of the values that we grow up with and that we are taught um, uh, uh, forms part of the universal values that I talked about. So in South Africa, it's a bit different that uh, apart from the universal humanitarian values accepted the world over, the Islamic values which the faith uh, builds into you, there should also be revolutionary values. There should also be values from the liberation movement and lastly values from Ubuntu. You cannot come to parliament just with your faith values. You've got to have values uh, based on universal humanitarian values into liberation values. So if we find that there may be a political uh, 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 leaders or members of parliament who are strong in their faith but very neglectful of the other three. So in Al-Zamar, we try and combine all four. And we have uh, positive indications that this is highly respected. Let me now come to you, Pastor Tering. Um, what is your take uh, when it comes to religion and political leaders? <clears throat> um, Patricia, I think that it is so key that leaders um, are grounded. Um, leaders are grounded with a, a particular scope of, of ethics, a particular scope of values and norms. Um, and those ethics, values, and norms also need to be a reflection um, of... Firstly, I think their particular worldview. Within the ACDP, the African Christian Democratic Party, we hold to what we call a biblical worldview. But essentially what that does is, is we look at the values that uh, the Bible gives to us, values which teach, teach us how to serve fellow men, values that teach us how to deal and relate with people who are different to us, uh, values that teach us uh, how to relate with God, uh, and we take those particular values, we take these, uh, these, these uh, universal set of, of values, and we apply it to, to our lives. And so clearly from the ACDP's perspective, uh, a biblical set of values which defines our worldview, values which speak about honesty, values which speak about integrity, values which speak about transparency, values which speak about holding fast to a, to a moral compass uh, which is able to guide, lead, and direct uh, your fellow man, and particularly in our case in South Africa. So, so I think that it is absolutely important that, that leaders have in South Africa have a particular bedrock um, of, of values that are uh, eternal in a sense, Godly also, secondly, we use also what is called um, the Jethro principle, where Jethro comes to Moses and he says, choose men, men who are, are able. So they must have ability. There must be some form of capability uh, who are able to perform the function. Uh, secondly, choose, choose those who are trustworthy. Uh, so here's the second set of values, um, a second value set of, of those who can be trusted. Thirdly, he says, who fear God. And so there's a, a third set of values, because if you cannot fear God, how will you fear fellow, your fellow man? Uh, and then fourthly, he says, those who hate dishonest gain. And that speaks to just uh, the immense scope of corruption that South Africa faces. 
And we believe uh, within the ACDP that when you have men and women who have these core set of values, and I believe that this transcends also uh, all, all religions, and, and um, we, we understand that there are different re- religious groups in South Africa, but we also understand that more than 80% of South Africans also profess to be, to be Christian. And so we, we have a, a Christian worldview, and we, we, we take from that particular worldview, and it impacts on us uh, as, as political leaders. Now, I'm going to come and uh, ask you, um, uh, Pastor Advocate Mayila, around what you have said in your opening statement, that it is important to have a religious stance from leadership. Then my follow-up question would be, what religion then would hold? And would that not put us in a place where we are enforcing, especially if your political leaders are set on a particular religion, won't we be enforcing um, religious um, practices in our politics, in our parliament, in our law, um, courts of law, and also then outlining religions that are not within that ruling party? We, 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 we will not be enforcing a certain set of religious practice. Remember that in a democratic country, uh, as it is a guarantee in our constitution that everyone has a freedom of religion, conscience, so on and so forth. When we say, let us uphold the Christian norms and fundamentals and ethics in our leadership, all we are saying is that let us look at what the majority of the people are believing. And when that is established, which is Christianity, 80% of South Africans, it has been said by the South African statistics, South Africa, that they profess to be Christians. When they profess to be Christians, therefore, why don't we adopt the values, the ethics and the morals, principles and norms of Christianity to be the governing factor of leaders' conduct? Look, leaders' conduct, not necessarily in its nature, to be the law that everybody is judged on. We've got the law which governs the judiciary and the justice system, but the conduct must be informed by a certain principles, must be informed by a certain values. Now, what values are we following? We have to understand this. Christian values are not offensive to the Muslims, are not offensive to the Rastafarian, are not offensive to the traditionalists. These are the universal values. Wait, wait. I think, I think um, uh, Pastor uh, Maila, um, when you're saying they're not offensive, maybe we should allow Muslims and Rastafari and African religious uh, people to, to speak on their own behalf. Because from what I remember, um, most of the apartheid laws were actually being quoted from the Bible. We are doing this because we are superior. The Bible says so. So won't that then also come up? Should we be... Um, pushing for leadership that is purely Christian. There is a difference between an exploited and manipulated interpretation of the Bible that is being harnessed as though it is the biblical truth. It was a wrongly interpreted interpretation of the scriptural writings of the Bible. Therefore, we cannot say that is an absolute truth of because All right. If you say, let me 
If you say blacks are inferior, whites are superior, whereas the same Bible in the book of Genesis says we are all created in the image of God. So then no one is inferior. We are all the image of God. You be black, you be white, you be Indian, you be colored. We are all created in the image of God. Okay. So therefore, they, they, there was no Christianity in apartheid. It was exploitation of the writings of Christianity, which is the Bible. So when I advocate for Christian norms and principles and values in leadership, I'm speaking about those that cannot be disputed. Like love thy neighbor as thyself, protect the poor. These are the writings of the Bible that... You, that any other person who's in a different religion cannot say to me, no, the poor must be exploited. Every religion speaks of justice for the poor. Every religion speaks of love. Every religion speaks of protecting the weak. That's the values that we are speaking about that needs to be imbued into leadership of governance. That active African Christian United Movement, APUM, is advocating for. Thank you. All right. Let me come to you, uh, Hanif. Uh, Hanif, you say that uh, at Al-Jamaa you are advocating for universal humanitarian values, right? And these values, maybe take us through those that you stand for. You mentioned four. Um, and also, let, let's see if those values are values that are widely accepted in South Africa and universally, because uh, what one will deem as common knowledge is not common to all. Look, we are are guided by, you know, the universal rights, the United Nations, that is widely known, Declaration of Universal Rights and then later on Human Rights. So these are values that no one has a, a quarrel with. And in South Africa, uh, in particular, if we want to interpret uh, those rights, it will be uh, the right to water, the right to housing. Uh, you know, uh, as you know, today we are battling with a cost of living. People need to have uh, food to eat. You need government needs to have programs to take families out of poverty. So we're talking about basic universal rights, uh, which is largely uh, interpreted as uh, basic services that needs to provide be provided to, to everyone. And we know in South Africa at the moment, South Africa is regarded as the most unequal country in the world. And uh, we find that uh, there are just too many communities living in poverty, and those who are the affluent are getting richer, and enjoying the, the fruits of the benefits of living in this country. But coming back to uh, universal values, universal values in itself cannot stand on its own. There has to be drivers, uh, like the uh, uh, Reverend indicated, there has to be drivers to strengthen that human values coming from the from coming from the scriptures, and not only. Uh, uh, one scripture, there needs to be an acceptance that everyone has something to contribute. And then, of course, in South Africa in particular, like I earlier on said, there has to be, it has to be based on liberation values, values like freedom. There should be no oppression. There shouldn't be a return to apartheid. And, uh, you know, there should be uh, support, for example, against reintroducing apartheid in, in any part of the world. 
We know that the previous Chief Justice, he had to apologize. He had a problem when he stood with an apartheid state outside South Africa. So uh, uh, it, is, it is very important uh, that uh, universal values must not be concepts. It must relate to a uh, standard of living, water, housing, uh, and jobs for people. And otherwise, it has no meaning for the electorate because that is what people vote for you, not your grand uh, values that you may want to quote uh, from the scriptures. So in, in your stance then, Hendricks, if I understand you correctly, it's not necessarily that you would advocate for Islamic uh, religion to, to lead, but it would then be um, just these universal humanitarian values that are also imbued um, to a very large extent within our constitution. No, I agree with you because, uh, you know, in the Muslim community, we don't go out uh, to convert people to Islam, we don't project the uh, Sharia, uh, you know, as people understand it uh, and uh, are hostile to it. We we look at uh, the example of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We look at uh, the the scripture that is uh, our scripture, the Quran, and we take from there. Uh, uh, matters uh, that can benefit uh, uh, humanity and at the same time uh, benefit uh, Muslims. So we feel that when we put a position to benefit humanity and it comes from Muslims, people may be attracted to Islam and they want to know more about it. And on a voluntary basis, they may want to uh, uh, convert to Islam and they are welcome. Uh, to do so, uh, and it's so easy to convert uh, uh, to Islam. But uh, there may be some Muslim preachers that will go all out and tell people, you know, become Muslim, become Muslim. But that's not the practice. Uh, that is uh, that is not the guidance that we get from the Quran and the life of the Prophet and the companions that followed. We should lead by example and put before humanity uh, values and programs that they can see is a benefit to them. And uh, that should attract them to, to the religion and not punting, you know, uh, Islam is the only way forward. Islam is the only religion. Uh, that is not our approach, and certainly not in Parliament. And um, I was with uh, Reverend Schwartz over the weekend, uh, after the, not the weekend, but when we did a budget speech. And I told him that we need to hold, we in the opposition benches, we need to hold our MPs in the governing party to account mm. as people of faith. And, um, and he agreed with me, yes, we, we should be doing that. And when we see something wrong, uh, you know, we belong to, uh, let's say, the Christian party and Muslim party. We should then, we should together uh, then try and influence uh, the way forward because individually the ICDP may not be able to do it. Individually, our Jamaa won't be able to do it. But if we come together and we say, look, this is corruption, this is not acceptable. And I gave the example of 10 issues that we were handling in the city of Johannesburg where you find that the ACDP was on one side and we were on the other side.
and Aldemar brought to the attention of council 10 matters that we felt were ethically wrong, morally wrong, and that led to the uh, to the speaker being fired and later on the mayor being fired or those respect now. And I said it would be nice if the ACDP and Aldemar together could have addressed those issues and we were on one side and not different sides. Let me go to the lines. I've got Atima Vuyiswa, who's calling from Parktown North. Vuyiswa, good evening, and thank you for calling. Thanks, Pat, for taking my call, you know, and to your guest there, good evening. Uh, you know what? There's something that uh, we must be very, very careful in words that we, we, we utter that we cannot make. It's uh, Ubuntu, uh, there's Rainbow Nation, there's this universal thing. Because if you talk about Ubuntu, break it down, what do you mean, you know? Because Ubuntu is a broad subject. When you come to a rainbow nation, we as Africans don't feature in there. And universal, which means mother universe is guiding you. I'll actually borrow from Utaku Hemless life that there will be no human rights. That's an the philosophy that regards the other uh, superior than the other and the other inferior than the other. I'll take it to class this distinction that we're seeing, experiencing in South Africa right now. There's so much class distinction. You can't say uh, you are progressing when you are building so many shelters. No? Mm-hmm. There's no dignity in shelters. And uh, uh, people are going hungry, you know. There's so much, you know, inequality. That is so disturbing. And how do you have tranquility when there's so much poverty, so much hunger, and, and all these things that we see out there? And then you come and mention, when there are always one comrade, back down when you say to somebody, comrade, because that word is broad. Hmm. Yeah? Yeah, please. Yeah. Yes. So, I, 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 as long as we don't destroy uh, class distinctions, because right now the poor are nowhere. Uh, I was saying, who can actually give an award or, you know, a Nobel Prize into the poor? Because you can't depend on the UN. Uh, UN is an establishment and a system that is, is meant to destroy human beings. It's not doing anything to help people on the ground. Thank you very much, Vuyiswa, for calling in. I hear you loud and clearly there. Let me go to Atima Colin, who's in Cape Town. Colin, good evening. Uh, good evening, Patricia. Do you know, I heard you start off your program with leadership. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Loud and clearly, Colin. Yeah. Do you know, a leader starts from the one above. And from there, if you respect the one above, that's the almighty God, and you become a leader. And if you are not believing in that, in that, then you'll never ever become a leader. Now, Patricia, you can become a leader yourself, myself too, by respecting each other. And I want to tell you another thing. I heard your guest talking about Al Jamal. I don't know if it's Al Jamal, wherever he's from. Uh, I know of a family that married a Christian, a Muslim married a Christian. And the Christian woman uh, became a Muslim.
with two daughters, but the one daughter refused to become a Muslim, and he disowned her, and they were both in school, and the one Christian girl was about 14, 16, or whatever it was, and he disowned her, and he never paid for her education, because he said, if she don't become a Muslim, I disown her, and I'm not paying for her education. Now, the other daughter, the sister, became a Muslim, and that broke up the family. The mother and, uh, the mother and daughter has even spoken to each other for years on account of that. Now, the Muslims, I know for a fact, and I'm telling your guests straight away, I know so many Muslims. If you marry a Christian and one or two of the family don't become Muslims, they disown you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you very much, Colin. Uh, Bye-bye. Thank you, Colin. Um, I'm going to allow you, Geneve Hendricks, uh, to uh, weigh in on what uh, Colin has said. And uh, then, uh, Pastor Tiering, I'm going to uh, allow you to come in on what Vuyiswa has said earlier in her comments. Let's start with you, Geneve. Yeah, look, as you know, that uh, a, a, a Christian woman who gets married to a person of the Muslim faith doesn't have to convert to his religion and he must do everything in his power to allow her to practice her faith. And such a woman is highly regarded uh, in the Muslim uh, community. So if any Muslims treat, uh, you know, uh, uh, individual born out of such a marriage the way your listener explained, uh, that is not the faith. And a Muslim man, when he marries, he makes an oath to God that he will nafaka his wife and all his children. And uh, he doesn't say, I will nafaka them only if they become Muslims. No, no. So that is an oath that is made to God and if he breaks that oath, which obviously happened in this case, I'm really sorry that it happened. Uh, he's not acting in terms of the faith. He's acting out of the faith. But uh, just to just to, to, to sum up uh, my response, that uh, uh, the the Muslim, the the husband who's Muslim, must do everything in his power to make sure that the uh, his wife. Uh, enjoys a full Christian uh, life and the community that they live in uh, will admire him uh, for doing that and the community where they see handicaps will come forward and assist uh, such women because they are are welcome in our religion. We obviously hope that uh, as she learns more about Islam, that she may feel that, uh, you know, maybe I can convert to this religion. Uh, there's so much uh, that is unacceptable. Also, she may have very strong Christian values and beliefs, and she would say, look, I may not have a quarrel with the religion of my husband, but I'm sticking to my faith. But this also then brings to light the fact that there are other people in religion um, that could be very extreme. So if we are led uh, politically by leaders who are very staunch in their religious beliefs, 
not knowing whether this person is extreme or not, we could end up in situations like this where then we are segregated by religion, um, whereas previously it was segregation by uh, ethnicity. No, no, you, you, you are quite, uh, quite right. But I mean, we have to look at uh, what the Islamic laws are, what the Islamic rulings are, what you hear in the mosque, and what your religious religious tell you. And if you deviate, then you've got to answer to God. You know, we can't uh, sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, issue sanctions against these persons. But if it comes to the attention of the elders in the community, they will tell them, you know, you are not allowed uh, to treat your wife and your children like that uh, just because uh, they don't embrace your faith. You are bringing dishonor to Islam. And so that message comes out very strongly. So political leaders who may adopt that particular uh, attitude I referred earlier on, you know, to, 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 to the example, if, you, if, if you're going to, as a political leader, uh, push uh, an angle uh, that goes contrary to Islamic beliefs and values, then uh, you shouldn't be part of a so-called Muslim political party. You should just be an independent member of parliament, and there is provision now to become an independent member of parliament. Let's hold it there, Hanif. I need to go to a quick break, and when we come back past the wintering, please do weigh in on Vuyiswa's comment. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. We are still in conversation with uh, our guests uh, talking politics and religion. Should our South African relig- uh, leaders uh, or political leaders be uh, grounded in uh, religion? Will this be something that will help bring eth- ethical uh, value and help leaders to be accountable? What are your takes there? 0614104107, that is our WhatsApp number, or call in on 086000 Our guests are Pastor Advocate Muafrika Wamayila, who's chief activist at Active uh, African Christians United, and Khanif uh, Hendricks, leader of the Al Jamaa political party, alongside to Pastor Wayne Tering, who is a member of parliament and deputy president of the African Christian Democratic Party. Before the break, we had uh, um, a team caller, Vuyiswa. Um, who gave us her thoughts and, and, you know, just her outlines. And I had asked uh, Pastor Tereng to come in and weigh in on that. Uh, you can go ahead, Pastor. Uh, thank you, Patricia. I think that I just wanted to, to reiterate uh, the ACDP's position. Uh, and the ACDP's position is, is that we definitely are able to take uh, the fundamental core values of, um, of, of Christianity um, those values also cut across all religions. It's, it's the values of uh, honesty, transparency, uh, accountability, being truthful, um, hating dishonest gain. And those, those core values, loving, loving your neighbor as you love yourself, uh, those core values are able to transcend, I believe, all, all religions uh, because these are values that come from God himself. Um, and within the ACGP, uh, for that particular reason, uh, the ACDP actually does have uh, members from different faiths 
uh, that have become members of the ACDP and support the ACDP, uh, you know, from the Muslim faith, from, from the Hindu faith, the Jewish faith, and, and, and other faiths. Um, they, they align themselves with the ACDP because of our core value proposition that, that we offer, which is, which is a biblical worldview. Everybody has to have a worldview. Your, your worldview determines your actions. Your worldview determines your thoughts. Your worldview determines how you live. Your worldview determines how you treat your neighbor. And so within the ACDP, um, we also have a policy of freedom of religion. So I want to just make it categorically clear that the, the ACDP does not, um, is, is not a political party that will, will position itself uh, as one religion against the other. Within our constitution, the ACDP supports the position of freedom of religion. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fundamental principle, I, I believe, and we believe within the ACDP, of any uh, prospering, prospering democracy. Um, so that said, we also realize that within South Africa, you know, 80% plus uh, of, of um, uh, citizens of the country uh, profess to be, to be Christian, and we need to be seeing the values of those 80% in a democracy, the values of those 80%. Democracy essentially is the, the, the majority, uh, you know, the rule, rule of, of the majority. And we need to see the values of, of those majority actually coming through within the system rather than those values of, of the majority being trampled on. And so clearly, I think, uh, as the ACDP, we champion, champion the, those particular value sets uh, that, that I've, I've espoused. Now, I think the, the caller that you, that you spoke of was a little bit muffled, but I think she was speaking about who is it that is going to be assisting, uh, assisting the poor, who's going to be helping the needy and providing shelter. And I think this brings me to the question of, or to the, the topic of corruption in South Africa. It is said that what has been revealed within the Zondo Commission, uh, it is said that uh, during the period of state capture, some one trillion rand, one trillion, and at the time, that's, that represents some 25% or so of our GDP. That's the value, the net worth of the country. Some one trillion rand was lost to corruption over those state capture years. Now, can you imagine what that money, how much, uh, if, if that money had been correctly channeled, had, if we had people in positions of authority within the state, in government, people who understood that they are there representing, that there's a God who is above them, that there's a God that they are accountable to, that they are there as servant leaders, they are servants to the people, and they understood their position very clearly, um, that one trillion rand or so that, that has already been lost to the fiscus. Um, it could have had made a huge dent in our some close to 40% unemployment, 36% unemployment. On the expanded definition, close to 50% unemployment. It would have made a huge dent in what uh, the Honorable Hanif Hendricks mentioned in terms of the inequality that we currently see in South Africa, where we have a GDP of some 0 0.7, uh, 0 0.7, making South Africa the most un uh, unequal nation in the world. 
it would have had a huge dent in terms of the poverty that we currently see uh, on the ground, where money that could have been allocated to social development programs, money that could have gone to orphanages and schools and drug rehabilitation centers, money that could have gone to infrastructure development, making sure that our roads are in a good, con- good condition, that our, we have electricity, that our hospitals are not losing electricity, our police stations are not losing electricity, the key uh, frontline workers do not have to operate in the dark while they're trying to assist those in public. Now, the, the scale of corruption has become just so, so huge. And it is certainly our view within the ACDP that, that if South Africans entrust people who fear God, people who know their God, people who hate dishonest gain, uh, people who, who put the people of South Africa before their own interests, if we had those kinds of leaders, South Africa most probably would not be in the position that it is uh, currently. And so, yes, I, I think that uh, leaders in South Africa do need to, to place added emphasis um, on this huge inequality gap that we currently have, huge challenge in terms of education that we currently have, where, where our maths, our grade, uh, grade sixes, uh, are functionally illiterate, having spent some four to six years or so, uh, six years at school, are not able to, to read properly, effectively. We, we are one of the last in terms of numeracy and mathematics in Africa, um, uh, despite the fact that we, as South Africa, spend more per capita on education than most other African countries. So something is drastically wrong. And, 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 and I would put forward the hypothesis that what is wrong is that we have, like the, the former Auditor General of Kimi Mokweto said, he says the problem that we have in South Africa is that we have, particularly in the municipalities, we have the wrong hands at the till. And, and if you put people whose hearts uh, are, are bent on corruption, if you put people in those positions of influence and positions of authority whose hearts are not for the people of South Africa, then we, are, we, are, we unfortunately will continue to see the scale of corruption increasing. And so as the ACDP, uh, we again advocate that South Africans, particularly now when we come to 2024, to, we're asking for South Africans to consider carefully Look at where the country is going. Um, and, and the ACDP certainly positions itself as one of those political parties that is able to change the trajectory of our of our country and put it on the correct footing. All right. I need to go to the news. I'm going to ask all of my panelists to please stay with us. We will go to voice notes and more comments after the news. It's 8 o'clock on the dot. Greg Hose is waiting in the news booth to give us the news bulletin. Good evening, Greg. Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith It's Facts of Faith and I'm standing in for Naye Lupondwane. My name is Patricia Nongkulegontuli and our guests uh, are still holding. We are in conversation with Pastor Wayne Tering, Member of the Parliament and uh, Deputy President of the African Christian Democratic Party alongside to Hanif Hendricks who's the leader of the Al Jamaa Political Party um, and our third guest is a Pastor Advocate Mo Africa Wamayila, Chief Activist at Active African Christians United Movement and we are talking about leadership and religion. Do they gel? Do they mix? 
we are hearing your views let's listen to some of your voice notes uh good evening uh pet uh and uh, just in in the studio uh, religious leaders are the chosen leader to lead the children of god uh, to the land of economy so must be uh, ethical leadership uh, the problem is that they lack uh, structures uh, to develop uh, uh, the economy of the country uh, what what they need is only uh, need support for their political parties uh, uh, thank you very much hello patricia good evening i'd like to digress a little bit and ask your guests out there what is the difference between the shiite muslims and the sunni muslims they come across as different sets can he help me there all right. I think maybe let's allow Hanif uh, Hendricks to respond to Gongwane's uh, question. Uh, the, uh, the the differences between the Sunni uh, Muslims and the Shia Muslims is largely political, and it arose after the death of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the uh, struggle for succession. So that's purely a, a, a political uh, position and uh, not a religious position. All right, I hope that explains it uh, to you, Atima. Let's continue with the voice notes. Hi, this is Daniel Joshua Chalan. Patricia, we say this country is a rainbow nation. Is this country truly a rainbow nation? Because we are still in boxes created by the apartheid government, blacks, whites, Indians, and coloreds. The day we drop those boxes and call ourselves South African citizens, then we will be a rainbow nation. And Aljamal is talking about the ACDP working together with them in faith, with a faith belief and working together. If you look at the ruling party, the government itself, being ANC and majority blacks, they have factionalism within themselves. They are divided amongst themselves. There's no unity. If it starts from the head of the party that's governing, bring come together in unity, then this country will move together in progress. Thank you and God bless you. Good evening, Patricia, and good evening to your guests, and good evening to, uh, to South Africa. With this topic that you guys are having, you, spoke, you mentioned something about religious extremists. Right now in Iran, there has been a case where people have been protesting because a lady was killed in, a, in prison because she wore her hajib or habib wrong. I'm not sure if I say it right. But then that kind of shows what you are saying that if we get a leader who's very much of a religious extremist, it will convert all the arms of state to be so much uh, religious extremists, and it will be a problem. Like uh, what happened with that lady right now, uh, people are protesting because of wearing their covering of the head or wearing the headscarf wrong. So it could, it could work, but then it could also be problematic in the long run. Mm. 
All right. I, I think most of the, the, the outlook from these uh, messages are questions and also concerns, right, from a religious point of view. There's another question here before I allow our guests uh, to, to weigh in and give us their closing comments. It's from Ivan, who's in Deep Kloof. Ivan says, Patricia, please ask your guests, as Christians, Bible is a point of reference. So as Islam, the Quran, or whatever they read is their point of reference. Can they quote from those books where it says they can be politicians? And lastly, in South Africa's constitution, abortion is legal. What does their faith say? So I'm going to ask um, each of our panelists uh, to respond to all the questions that we've received and comments and also give us their closing remarks. I'll start with you, Hanif Hendricks. Yes, look, let's talk about where in the Quran does it say that I can become a politician. I never wanted to become a politician. I was an activist, a revolutionary. And uh, when I retired, uh, a sheikh came to me and told me that you think that you've done a lot for your community. You haven't served the purpose that Allah put you on this earth. You were put on this earth to govern. So whenever I meet the sheikhs and the maulanas, I'm telling them, you know, I'm doing your work. Because another sheikh told me that uh, I can't quote the exact uh, verses and scriptures and so on. I'm not a sheikh or a mufti. But another sheikh told me that, um, uh, you know, if you are a Muslim and Allah put you on this earth, you have to govern. So what does govern mean? It means you must register as a voter. You need to make yourself available as a councillor or as a member of parliament. And you need to keep ministers and the presidents to account. So it's in a broad context that uh, Muslims must play an active role in the political life of, of, of the country. Let's talk about the protests uh, in Iran, uh, law enforcement uh, in Iran uh, is as bad as it is in the city of Cape Town. And there have been many occasions in the city of Cape Town, for example, where law enforcement acted very harshly and in other parts of the country as well. So in Iran, that is what happened. And it's sad that the authorities, like in the city of Cape Town, have not acted against the excessive force that law enforcement does uh, uh, in this particular case uh, uh, in Iran. It is, I think it must be the fact that uh, for three weeks it, they've allowed protests indicates, uh, you know, that, the, uh, that there is not the oppression that your listener tries and alludes to. There has been three weeks of protests, and uh, the Iranian leaders have now said, look, we've given you three weeks to protest. The law is taking its course as far as that matter is concerned. You must now stop. Similarly, you know, when, uh, if there are, if there are uh, issues with trade unions and, uh, you know, they do what they do, there may be a court order to tell them, guys, you must now stop. So in that particular context, uh, you know, uh, uh, we have to uh, uh, separate uh, the matters of faith and how it is applied. Thank you very much. 
All right. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Khanif. Uh, and uh, let's uh, hope for the best with uh, the elections that are upcoming in 2024. I'm going now uh, to you, uh, Pastor Advocate Muafrika Wamaila. Uh, what are your response uh, to uh, our A-teamers voice notes and also your closing comments? Um, I will respond to the specific one that says, where in the Bible does it say you must be a politician? Thank you for the question. First of all, as you've referred to me as a national chief activist of ACUM, I am an activist. I am coming to bring a solution to the dying system, to the leadership and governance that is not doing well. Remember this, we are using politics as a passage to govern. You cannot govern without politics. Politics is a process or a passage that you need in order for you to govern. For you to govern, which the Bible says we must govern, God created us to dominate. That's what the Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. He created a man so that a man can, can rule, can dominate, which is to govern. Another word will be to govern. Now, you cannot govern without a process of politics. It's like if you want to enter the house, you need the door. If you want to enter governance, you need the politics. So we participate in the politics, not as politicians, but as activists. We are not in the system for con- to conform. We are in the system to transform it. So therefore, we are not politicians. We are activists. So let us get it clear. Not say, per se, give me the scripture that says go to politics. As much as the same person could have probably used a phone, there is no scripture that says go buy a phone. But because the time sees and the time demands that there got to be some intervention, we see the necessity of saying, what will the Russians do when the foundations are destroyed? Which is the Bible question. What will the Russians do? Our nation is dying. The housing system, the public health, the public education, everything has collapsed. The corruption has hit the highest than ever in history. So what should we do? Must we wait for the specific scripture that says, go and do this? We need to understand what is our duty as the Christians in a time such as this. We are duty-bound. What is that duty-bound? When Jesus saw that the multitude did not have food, he did not look for the scripture that says, give 5,000 people food. He knew that something must be done. He, He gave them food. When Jesus saw that a a man has been there by the Bethesda pool for years without any healing, he came and he healed him, breaking the laws to say, let the man be healed, he has been here for too long. Now, let me give a simple answer to this. We will go because we see that there is something that is ungodly and the will of God must be done on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, we are bringing the will of God into this earth that is not correct. So now, us as ACUM, Active African Christian Marriage Movement, we are saying our involvement into the politics is a radical advancement of kingdom mandate. We are here to bring the will of God. Forcefully so. Why? Because we know that the last solution that our world will need, according to our ACUM perspective, is that it will need God's will to be done in governance, in our justice system, everywhere. Now, the radicalism and the fundamentalism, that should not be an issue per se. Let us understand, South Africa has got the justice, the judiciary, which is the law. 
the supreme law of the land being the constitution, the Bill of Rights being the cornerstone of the constitution, that cannot be eroded. When we speak about the Christian values and ethics and norms being the part of leaders, we are saying at a personal level, as if I have to be a minister, I need to be obeying or abiding to certain laws that govern me as an individual so that I don't give irregular tenders, so that I don't receive bribes that will disadvantage the people who must receive from my ministry. That's what we are saying when we say we need the Christian ethos and values in leaders, beginning with him, not only universal, personal. As an individual, you need to have ethos that you are abiding with. So we cannot just put it to the universe or to the collective. We need to put it to the individual. Do you do right as a person in your own corner, at unseen spaces where you are in a secret space? These are some of the things that we are dealing with, whereby our leaders are caught day in, day out, corrupt. Why? Simply because they don't have personal values and ethics. They rely on some ideology that doesn't bind them to their conscience or their daily activities and actions and direct their behavior to be of a certain kind. Thank you. Thank much you very much. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. And uh, finally, we close off with Pastor Wayne Tiring. Um, what are your responses to what A-teamers have said in their voice notes and their comments and also your closing um, thoughts? Uh, thank you, Patricia. I think very clearly if one asks where in the Bible um, does it speak about uh, scripture references uh, giving, giving us as the ACTP uh, the mandate to stand for politics, um, I think my colleague here from uh, the Advocate quoted Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created man, in the image and likeness of God created he them, male and female created he them, and then he blessed them and said, and I'm paraphrasing, rules of Jew and have dominion. Uh, that's the mandate that God has given to those that he created in his image and likeness. It's a mandate to have dominion. It's a mandate uh, to subdue. It's a mandate to rule. Uh, included in that is legislate. Um, and so to pass laws, uh, laws which would reflect uh, what God himself, those core values that, that we spoke about. Um, and so we, as within the ACGP, we believe that this is the mandate that has been given to us there again from the, the one scripture in Genesis chapter 1. Secondly, I think also if one looks at the pro, uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 29, I think it's Proverbs 14, um, the Word of God declares there that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in authority, the people mourn. And then it also, the other scripture is that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any nation. And so very clearly speaks about those who understand righteousness. And righteousness, very simply, is doing the right thing. Doing the right thing as God has ordained for us to do. We also understand uh, in the book of Psalms, it says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all they who dwell in it. When Jesus taught us to pray, he, he taught us this prayer and he says, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One of our core mandates as Christians is to look at the values uh, that are in heaven, those core principle values of our Father, our God, uh, our, our faith in Christ in heaven, and to bring those particular values uh, that are in heaven, values of justice and values of righteousness, um, values of equality, uh, values that, that espouse who God is, to bring those particular values 
from heaven uh, to earth. And so, so there we have this, the, 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 the scriptures. I think on the issue of abortion, the ACDP has been very clear, unapologetically clear, and we will not back down from our stance. We believe the life begins at conception. And, and so we, we, uh, we are clearly uh, a political party that supports uh, those mothers who wish to keep their babies, uh, despite sometimes very difficult circumstances in which we find, they find themselves. And we need to give support uh, to, to, to those mothers who find themselves in, in very difficult circumstances while, uh, while pregnant. Um, and then finally, I, I think if one looks at uh, the ACDP and just where the ACDP have had positions of authority, a few, just three examples. In the Nelson Mandela Day, we were able to turn our NMC there, Lance Hortborn, was able to turn dirty fields in the townships into green playing fields for the children. One accolades uh, in terms of parks and gardens in South Africa, uh, third or fourth place, uh, third or third place or so in the country. Uh, so this is what happens when you have the right people in the right place. Uh, in the city of Johannesburg, our MMC was able to issue out a thousand, uh, when he was the, the MMC for human settlements, a thousand uh, 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 title deeds in just under one month, never done before, uh, because he had a value for, uh, for people's lives and looking at giving, giving them a safe place to stay. And then also our MMC in the city of, of uh, Tswane was able to save the city some two billion rand in an irregular tenders. This is what happens when you have righteous men and women in authority. And so we say to the listeners, come 2024, uh, the ACDP positions itself uh, to govern and positions itself uh, to, take, to take the role of an ethical leadership, putting South Africans first. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Pastor Tering, this evening.